It's time for episode 149 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August the 10th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast where we keep watching the clock until it tells us to stop. I'm Jason Snell, your co-host as always, and across the internet for me, your co-host as sometimes Serenity Caldwell from iMore. Hello. Hello, Jason. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Dan is on assignment, and uh, once again, you have uh, taken up the reins as co-host, so I really appreciate you being here. I do love watching the clock. Well, to my left, you may know him from his time at Sony on PlayStation. You may know him as one of the hosts of Remaster on Relay FM. He's in the Shashed. It is Shahid Kamal Ahmad. Hello. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. A real privilege. And to my left, left <laughs> yep, is a staff writer from Greenbot, Florence Eon. Hi, Flo. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Hey, Flo. Welcome back. Uh, all right. Four topics, 30 minutes, so I guess we better get started or we're going to run out of time. Um, my topic is this. Mark Gurman, everybody's favorite Apple rumor guy, is now at Bloomberg, uh, and he is still reporting things that Apple probably wishes he wasn't. Uh, he confirmed <laughs> the rumors that the next iPhone will not have a headphone jack. Now, it's been months that we've all had to prepare emotionally for the concept of, a, of an iPhone without a headphone jack. Um, I want to, just thinking about it, big picture, um, in in the end, is this going to be a big deal, or in the end, is this not it, a whole bunch of uh, arguments on the internet over the summertime, and then in the end, uh, everybody kind of shrugs and, and gets over it? And I guess larger larger point there is, do you really uh, care about using wired headphones versus wireless headphones? In the end, everything's going to be wireless, so we have to face that. And Apple is not really a company that indulges in transitional forms; they tend to go for a clean break. There are some problems, of course. Responsiveness isn't ideal in, in a wireless headphone. I cannot stand the lag when I'm typing with my Bluetooth headphones on. Yeah. Uh, battery life is an issue. You know, we're trying to eke out the last few drops of battery. If you've got the Bluetooth turned on, then you're in trouble, especially if it's transmitting constantly to your wireless you know, we don't really have to like it, but I think we're going to have to accept it because, you know, I'm using wireless more and more. I hope they can sort out the latency issues. And the other thing to bear in mind is that, and I think I'm writing saying this, please feel free to correct me, is that most people who buy a new iPhone use the stock earbuds anyway. I am all for it. <laughs> Having switched, I did switch to Bluetooth headphones about uh, nine, ten months ago. Um, I'm actually using Bluetooth headphones on this Skype call, which is kind of crazy because oh, no. even even last year I couldn't do that without leg, um, where it just it was it was terrible. But I've been using um, a set of Bluetooth headphones with my iMac for the last five months and have yet to have any problems. Um, I've <laughs> wrote a ridiculous review of the the Bose QC35s a couple months ago, um, which have become my go-to kind of travel headphones. It's one of those things where there are definitely some downsides to Bluetooth, and it is not a perfect technology. And there are some downsides to switching the connector from um, from a headphone jack to a wireless jack. But overall, I, I think the benefits that 
users are going to get are going to vastly outweigh the negatives. Um, going through lightning, if you're still using wired headphones, is going to give you a much better audio quality experience. And yeah, most people probably aren't used to that kind of experience because they get their their audio through, you know, the the ear pods. Uh, but this is also Apple's opportunity to potentially make a, a really good not necessarily high budget, uh, high quality pair of headphones, but uh, but maybe a, an improvement over the earpods that they've been shipping with the iPhone currently. Well, let me tell you guys. So I just got off of reviewing the Moto Z and Moto Z Dro- uh, Force, which are two Android uh, smartphones with no headphone jacks. <gasps> and that was to keep them completely like nice and thin, which whatever kind of works. Anyway, you can read my review on greenbot.com if you want to know more. But um, since they don't have headphone jacks, that was like my first experience with being forced to have to use a Bluetooth headset. And I have to tell you guys, it kind of sucks. Um and maybe it's just because I'm still used to the idea of being able to have the backup. But can I tell you? So I have um, this little dongle from Samsung. I believe it's called the Level Link. And it turns any headset into a Bluetooth headset. So I use that on my commute because it kind of helps so that I'm not tangling in. But when it dies, if you know I forget to charge it the night before or whatever, I can just plug in the headphones and then I still have music on the train ride home, which is great. With a phone like the Moto Z, though, I have to ensure that I have this dongle with me in my bag at all times. Um, and the dongle hangs off the phone like a tail. And it's not <laughs> particularly attractive. And it kind of actually weighs down the headset so that you're getting a little more tangled. So I think, I don't know, I could see this becoming more of the norm. Uh, we were talking last night about um, Bluetooth 5.0 on um, All About Android on Twit. And so I'm like wondering, maybe with the new Bluetooth spec, like this is something that will become more common among smartphones because Bluetooth will be just a little bit better. But I feel like now it's just this new concept and I'm not particularly keen on it just because of my weird experience with the Moto Zs. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm really actually conflicted here. I, I don't love the idea of Apple doing this, but I agree with Shahid that in the end, uh, everything will be wireless. It's true. Um, I, I'm not sure that Apple is giving us a clearest signal. We'll see what they say. Like, is it too early? It feels a little too early to me. That said, when the first rumors came out, I actually, it was before that. It was when uh, I wanted to test uh, Bluetooth audio with the Apple Watch because you can actually do that. And I bought a pair of Bluetooth head- headphones. And I use them now when I go for walks or, or runs or walk the dog. Um, I, I use the Bluetooth earbuds and my iPhone. And uh, what I've learned is it's fine. It's not great. It's terrible if you forget to charge. They run out of battery in the middle of your walk. That's dumb. Um, I, I also uh, don't like it for listening to music because I don't think that they're good enough quality. You could buy better quality headphones but I also have existing headphones that are better quality. I guess what I'm saying is it's going to be really lousy if they do this, when they do this, for a lot of people. But for most people, they won't care because, as Shahid said, uh, it is true most people actually just use the headphones that are in the box. Um, my hope is that Apple includes an adapter in the box, includes the old wired uh, headphones, the ear pods in the box with the adapter on it so that you can use them immediately or you can pop that off and use any set of existing wired headphones. I think that would be the nicest thing. I, I hope they don't 
throw that in as a you know you have to spend nineteen dollars to get one. But I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of in the acceptance phase now is what I'm saying. I do think that in the end the Bluetooth technology any any other wireless audio technology it's getting better. The lag is getting better. It'll be fine eventually. I just I have this question of did we need to do it now? Is this the time that it was really required for the this headphone jack to go away? Because I think probably it's premature. Um, and Flo's experience really points to the fact that there are, there are lots of issues. I have lots of Bluetooth connectivity issues and weird dropouts and things like that. And it's not quite so bad when I'm listening to podcasts, but if I was listening to music, I would be really frustrated. So we will see. Um, big sigh. <laughs> That's topic number one. Oh, there's three more. Uh, Shahid, what's your topic for us this week? No surprise from me. My topic is No Man's Sky. So given that No Man's Sky was released this week, you know, this is a game I always wanted. What I wanted to ask was, why has this game captured imagination so widely? I mean, it's it's a game I dreamt of when I was a kid. What's the game you always wanted to play, is my question. And if it hasn't been made yet, why do you think that is? Ah, oh, this is such a hard question. <laughs> uh, honestly, No Man's Sky is pretty close to the game that I always wanted to play. In terms of, I don't know, there's something... I I was a big fan growing up of Escape Velocity and that series is specifically Escape Velocity Nova and the idea of like branching out to worlds and exploring and and fe- you know facing new destinies uh and No Man's Sky feels like an evolution of this which is pretty pretty awesome um if I had to go like completely nerdy um I probably the game that I really want to play is a VR Star Wars game where you it's basically Knights of the Old Republic except in VR. I th- I think that would be a ton of fun. Uh but I have no idea if I well, I don't have no idea. The the technology is currently nowhere close to being able to to do what I would want it to, but I love the idea of these immersive games that really are able to carry you off to a to a different world or a different experience. I'm going to try and not turn this into a giant rant about how Pokemon Go has let me down. Um, <laughs> so I haven't, oh, I haven't been able to, I, it, I keep hearing about No Man's Sky. I feel like I really need to like jump into this uh, ASAP just because you guys are talking about it. Twitter's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. So something's going on good with this thing. Um, but Pokemon Go was actually kind of, so I'm a huge Pokemon fan, guys. Uh, I have been since I was 13 years of age and I can't help it. It's one of those nostalgic things and um, and it's just fun to collect little animals and fight them against each other. Um, but you know. <laughs> I wish that Pokemon Go had like the same mechanics as the Game Boy games, but it doesn't. But I have to say, I really enjoy the AR component of it. And I'm sort of looking forward to what mobile games... I know No Man's Sky is a console game, but I, because I spend my life 90% on a smartphone, to be quite honest, um, both because it is my job and sort of my hobby... Uh, I want to see more immersive mobile games, not just like games that you sit down like on a sidewalk and play by yourself. I love this idea of like AR coming in and like VR coming in. So I'm looking forward to what's coming coming uh, coming up now that Pokemon Go sort of shown that there is a possibility that this is a good way to make games as long as you have like the right characters and the right sort of like storyline with it. 
Yeah, for me, it is uh, basically Star Trek in all its forms. Like, I want, I always wanted a game <laughs> where you could, where you, whether it was the Star Trek games weren't that good, but like, uh, but from like Atari Star Raiders, and uh, I had an Apple II game where you could go from planet from planet to planet in the solar system, and you had to kind of avoid um, attacks by pirates and and trade and mine and things like that. And there's been a whole series of those games up to things like the Star bridge simulators that uh, that exist today. I mean, those are all kind of in the ballpark, um, and No Man's Sky actually fits into that quite well in the sense that it gives you this galaxy to explore, and you get that strange new worlds feeling like the, 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 the size of... I think one of the appeals of No Man's Sky is that because it's procedurally generated and it's got this whole galaxy to explore, you never know what you're going to get, and you can have the thrill of, uh, of, of discovery and of naming things, and, uh, and, and I, I, that's right up my alley, because that is really what I was going for there. I want that it's kind of space exploration and da- and also some danger uh, kind of uh, experience in a game. So it's uh, it's pretty close. So I'm looking forward to playing it on the on uh, the PC in boot camp on Friday. I have to wait because I don't have a PlayStation and I'm sad. I hope you love it. And the creation of the No Man's Sky universe almost mirrors our understanding of human perception. You know, that that things are almost conjured up as a result of you perceiving them. But the thing I really love about it is that it's a game unashamedly about exploration. You know, not about destruction, although there is destruction in there, (laughs) but it is mainly about exploration. And and for me, what really sold it was I'm, I'm really in love with the idea of discovering a planet that has never been seen before, in fact, has never even been conjured up before. No one's created it. It's being generated from maths. And just finding some lake to sit down near and watching an alien sunset. I just find Hmm. that concept extremely moving. All right, we have two topics done. We have two more topics to go. It's halftime. Let me tell you about my halftime sponsor this week on Clockwise. It's Linode. A combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers all around the world. It's a great solution for your server infrastructure, uh, and it's so easy. You can get a server up and running in less than a minute. Plans start at just $10 a month, which will get you two gigabytes of RAM in your server. It's amazing how uh, affordable and powerful uh, these servers that you they're on demand are these days. It's just it's incredible. You choose your resources, choose your Linux distro, uh, choose the node location. Where do you want the uh, server to be physically located? All from the web-based manager tool and you can deploy boot resize all with just a few clicks on the web it's so easy great for tasks like running a private git server hosting a large database running a mail server operating powerful applications so much more i use my linode server for the incomparable and six colors it hosts our mp3 files it hosts our cms it's got a message board it's got i mean there's so many things that i'm running on it uh, all sitting in the dallas data center at linode and they've got uh, industry-leading native SSD storage, access to a 40-gigabit network. It's all the power I need and all the power you'll need to get your tasks done. As a listener to Clockwise, you can sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash clockwise. You'll support us, and you'll also get $20 toward any Linode plan. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so if you try it out and go, yeah, maybe not right now, that's okay. There's nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash clockwise and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code clockwise20 at checkout. Thank you to Linode for being the halftime sponsor of Clockwise. 
All right, two more topics to go. Uh, Serenity, what is your topic? My topic is all about surprise, uh, the device that's been taking up my attention lately, the iPad. Um, I switched to the 9.7-inch iPad Pro earlier this year and uh, off of the 12.9, which had been working as my sole computer for the last about six months. And I kind of love the new little iPad, but it made me sad that there wasn't a good keyboard for it. And then last week, the Logitech Create came out with this wonderful uh, 9.7-inch version of its of its Create uh, back lit smart connector keyboard and I've just been head over heels for it. Um, but it really has sort of articulated the pain points for me of where uh, where the iPad excels as a you know computer tablet tablet hybrid uh, and also where it kind of falls. And there, there are definitely some things that I would love to see uh, in iOS 10 that right now Apple doesn't seem too interested about releasing an iPad update. So I'm kind of curious uh, what everybody else feels on this topic. Like, do you think that Apple is going to go forward and maybe insert some extra iPad stuff in the fall event? Or do you think we're kind of SOL on on that until the spring, until we see new iPads, maybe with like a 10.1 or a 10.2 update? I am not able to comment directly on uh, <laughs> on the direction that Apple is going uh, with the iPad because I haven't actually used an iPad in several years, but I can speak just from my experience on Android um, with the Pixel C that when you have a tablet uh, that's supposed to sort of act as um, a gateway or, or not even a gateway, but um, that's supposed to be able to sort of emulate what your laptop can do. You need to have software that sort of backs up that functionality. And I feel like mobile operating systems right now, they kind of still, they still require some optimization uh, from companies like Apple and Google to make that more of a second nature sort of experience. I I still don't feel like a tablet is second nature to me the way that um, a laptop is. Yeah, it's hard. They're coming at it from a totally different angle, which is they're coming from the phone and trying to expand back out into a more traditional, larger device. And it's a hard... It's a hard thing to do, and they're still struggling with it. Um, I, I love using my iPad, and I use it a lot. Um, I, I am excited by one feature in iOS 10 that people who use iPads and keyboards will be excited about, which is you can now separately set autocorrect and auto capitalization in iOS 10 for external hardware keyboards as opposed to the internal software keyboard. Because generally, for me anyway, I don't know if I'm alone in this, I really like autocorrect when I'm typing on glass, and I hate it when I'm typing on a physical keyboard because I know what keys I'm pressing. I think, though, that, yeah, all, all the rumors are, everything we're hearing is that Apple's, I think, wisely decided that uh, rather than trying to, the iPhone is such an important product for them, that rather than trying to sort of stick some iPad features in the main OS release in the fall, who's to say that they can't uh, do a sort of second development cycle and focus the iPad features in the spring? Perhaps that's when, given that's where the 9.7-inch Pro was announced, maybe that's iPad time now is spring and that they'll do new software and new hardware in the spring. I think that makes a lot of sense. Those are the rumors, and I think that's fine. I, I, I would much rather... Uh, there be a sort of dedicated iPad release of iOS that focuses on uh, on those features rather than only have to kind of hope that a few iPad p- features can get prioritized in the fall when the iPhone is really the point. So um, I, I think it's not a bad strategy, and I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm okay with that, and I'm liking my iPad. I can't wait for them to make more improvements, especially in things like multitasking. But um, I'm okay for now and happy to get that one keyboard feature. So I guess. Apple have been focusing on iOS over macOS for a while. But I think 
the thing that has taken them by surprise in the post PC era that they have helped to bring in with the iPad is that the iPad didn't become people's primary computer. I think much to everybody's surprise, the smartphone became everybody's primary computer. And I think more and more people are reaching to their iPhone or their Samsung or whatever, as opposed to an equivalent tablet device. And because of that, it wouldn't surprise me if their software efforts have doubled down on iPhone as opposed to separating the iPad out as a new type of computer. I mean, it is a computer that suits most people, but I guess I'm a truck driver. And <laughs> um, so so it, much as I would love for it to be my primary device for computing purposes, it doesn't get used as much as I would like to use it. I love some of the new features. I love... Uh, the multitasking. I love the the split screen and the slide over. All of that's great. But because I'm a truck driver, I keep putting the iPad aside and going back to the Mac and what have you. So, you know, I would hope for some major software innovation, but I would be surprised if we saw it before uh, release 11. I'd be very surprised if we saw anything in 10.1. That was a, a major delightful upgrade in the way the iPad works. Yeah, I I mean, I can definitely see them taking some more time, especially considering that iOS 10 was such a major um, improvement, at least on the US, the UI side for the iPhone. Um, but the the person in me who I, you know, I would consider myself a, a hybrid driver in that I love my I love working on the iPad as a laptop, but I am recording this podcast on my iMac right now. I am certainly by no means an all iPad all the time girl. Um, and so the the person, the part of me that works on the iPad is very much hoping for for at least a few updates come the spring. But I'm also like Jason, I'm kind of happy to wait. Flo, what do you got for us? Well, guys, I don't know if you've heard, but Samsung just uh, announced the uh, sixth generation Galaxy Note Seven, which is uh, which I would say is the phone that sparked the whole phablet mm-hmm. uh, phablet line that's been uh, it's been popular for a while. Now we know that Apple came out with the uh, iPhone Plus uh, variants the last two years. And so I was just sort of thinking, you know, as I was thinking back, you know, I was like covering this smartphone and just sort of thinking, are big phones really a category anymore? Like, are phablets really a thing? Or is it just that now this is the norm that we've come to expect that like every, you know, big companies like Samsung and Apple, not only do they have to put forth like a nice sort of mid-size smartphone somewhere between like five and 5.3 inches but they also have to like put out something bigger for people who want it bigger like is this still a fad or is it just that now it's the norm what do you guys think I think it's funny, uh, Shah had mentioned earlier that people, you know, it, it turns out that a lot of people, their primary computing device is their phone. And I think that's behind a lot of the big phone thing. If like, if your phone is it or the primary, then having more space and more power probably makes a lot of sense. And I think Samsung, uh, Samsung found that by releasing a product in that size. And, and, and I think perhaps a little surprisingly discovering that there was a lot of demand for it. A- Apple had its best year ever, the year that it made bigger phones. <laughs> I think there, that's not coincidence um uh, at the same time apple has uh, found some success with the iphone se uh 
which is a smaller phone. And uh, one of the things that's interesting about that category is that there are very few premium phones that are small. And so I think my guess is that at this point, it's not a it's not a fad. It's just a product line. And some people like bigger phones and some people like smaller phones and that uh, the phone makers ought to make phones in different sizes because everybody just like, you know, you can buy laptops in different sizes. Right. I think it's just like that. Depending on how you use your phone, you know, we we joke a lot about, you know, who's in the plus club and who's not for the iPhone. And it, it really just depends on your needs and how you want to use it. And I, I think actually that I suspect that the iPhone SE's success is going to perhaps uh, entice some uh, some Android phone makers into doing a high end uh, you know premium phone that's small just because they don't want to see that that little corner of the market to Apple either. Um, I do have those moments where I, I wonder to myself if the what we consider the normal size phone like the equivalent of the iPhone six success uh, if that is is losing luster because either you want a compact phone or you want the biggest phone you can buy. And it's probably not true. The middle phone is probably still the mainstream phone. But every now and then, I think maybe it goes the other way. And maybe everybody either gets a big phone or a small phone. I don't know. I'm still using the medium-sized phone myself. So I've got an iPhone 5S as a development device. And I thought it would be interesting to go back to it for a while. I tried it and I thought, you know what? This is really cute. I like this. I can do everything with one hand. It feels great. And then two hours later, I said to myself, yeah, but I can't really do anything. I can't really <laughs> see anything, you know? So I went straight back to my plus. And here's the problem. You know, big phones need big screens. And that means lots of battery, lots of GPU, lots of CPU. It's an arms race, right? You're at right at the top end of what's physically possible, and yet you're trying to keep this device as slim as possible. And it's probably one of the most important fronts in uh, the computing battleground, if you like, or the mobile and connected computing battleground. So you, you can't really have an awful lot of players in that arena. And it's no surprise that Apple and Samsung lead the way there. And the reason for that, I think, is simple. It is a primary computer for most people. It, it, I hate to say this, but I get my phone out maybe a hundred times a day. I say, get it out. It's, it's never put away. You know, what's the point in, in worrying about a really big phone and not being able to put it in a pocket or anything mm-hmm. when it's never in my pocket to begin with? You know, it's always in my hand or it's on my desk. It's just being used all the time. And I often find myself with the computer in front of me reaching for the iPhone, which is just nuts. So I think they're here to stay. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I started the 6S cycle on a 6S Plus, uh, and I rocked that until about December or January, at which point I went back to the 6S for one weekend and then became a convert back to the medium-sized phone. Um, And part of that is what you were saying, Shahid, in that uh, I would end up doing all of my work on the 6S Plus, and I would find myself like sitting on the couch for three hours trying to edit iMore on this silly phone when I had, you know, a laptop (laughs) or my iPad. (laughs) It was really bad. It was terrible. can laugh all you want but it was a really it was it was a i was i was in a bad way it's a laugh of recognition oh yeah yeah oh of course (laughs) but yeah it's it's it is one of those things where i think that big phones definitely appeals to people um you know my fiance rocks one and and refuses to go back because he says it's the perfect size for his hand 
Um, but I also know friends who love the little phone and I'm, I'm kind of happy with the, you know, with the just right bed, with the Goldilocks bed, um, with the Goldilocks phone. I, I really like the sort of the middle range. Um, I hope people don't stop making big phones or little phones because I think that, you know, everybody has a different computing preference. There's a reason why the laptop, you know, we have laptops that range from 11 inches to, to 15, 17 inches even, um, because, People prefer to carry and prefer to work on different devices. And if they have the supply chain ability to do this, then by all means, let's go. Let's let's keep doing it. Well, guys, I'm not giving up my big phone because I think (laughs) from now on I'm going to stick to 5.7 inches or higher because I have found that I can get most of my life's work done, whether that's personal or uh, business with 5.7 5.7 inch screen. So, all right, we have time for just our bonus topic before we go. Uh, a little quick one. I like I like these to be fun and silly, and this certainly is. It's uh, still summer for a little bit, and I'm wondering, do you have a summer beverage of choice? Something you like to uh, like to drink in the summertime? A and W Diet Root Beer. That's the one mm. for me. Red. My ultimate go to is like a basil lemonade. So good. Flow. That sounds really good, but I'm going to go with the Lining Kugel Summer Shandy. That is my favorite summer beer. Very nice. I'm, my answer is very similar to Flo's. When I was in uh, England uh, a couple years ago, my friend Simon uh, ordered a, uh, a lager top, which is, you know, a standard beer with lemonade on the top. And you know what? I, I don't apologize for it. Yeah. It's, it's great in the summertime on a hot day. Lemonade and beer. That's the way to do it, Yeah, guys. I'm going to do that. <laughs> All right. And, th- and with that, with that atrocity that people are crying out now, um, the, uh, the, this edition of Clockwise has come to an end. Just time to say thank you to our guest, Shahid. Thank you so much for being back on. It was a pleasure, as always. I hope you come back again uh, really soon. That's very kind. Thank you so much. And thank you very much, Flo. It was great, as always, to have you on. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. And that's it. Until next week, all we have left to do is to remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. 